welcome to episode 204 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in Los Angeles. Yeah, not for long. I'm going north uh, tonight to go spend a week in Arnold, California. Arnold. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's up Highway 4. It's just the foothills up above where my parents live. So we got a uh, Airbnb for the week. So I'm going to go fuck around with my niece and nephew and mom and dad and sister. Should be good. Cool. Is there like a lake nearby or what's just in the woods? It's close to Calaveras Big Trees. Hmm. You know what that is? It's a state park. Okay. Have you ever been there? No. Giant sequoias? Are you familiar? No. No. Oh. They have now, Sequoia is the same as a redwood, right? I believe, uh, let's go with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the one thing that I will never forget at uh, big trees state park is they have a stump. Okay. From a giant redwood that they cut down the redwood and they built a like dance pavilion on top of the stump. Oh, wow. Now the dance hall, whatever thing is not there anymore. And I haven't been there since I was a little kid. So I don't really remember how exactly how gigantic the stump is, Mm. but it's pretty big. If you're able to actually like build a building on top of it, (laughs) using the stump as the foundation for an actual building. Yeah. So, yeah, so that should be fun. Otherwise, I don't, I don't remember shit about it. No, I don't know what we're going to do. We're probably just going to play board games all the time. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, you go today on the show. you do anything for the summer? You already been, you've already been to the beach, probably. I feel like a lot has happened, but I feel like I have not had an official vacation yet. So, yeah, we did that bike trip. Did I tell you about that? No. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. So my two older boys are in Scouts, and they went on a 150-mile bike trip from Pittsburgh to Cumberland, Maryland. Oh, shit. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I joined them for the first two days, and I had to head out to get back and teach class. But they kept going, and it, it was decently challenging. We did 38 miles the first day and then 38 miles the next day. And it was a slow upward grind, but good stuff. I mean, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's like detoxifying. You get out there and bike for 38 miles. And we were in the shade most of the time because we were on the Gap Trail. Can't remember what that stands for, but great something. Anyways, it goes along. (laughs) Appalachian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something great, right? But it goes along all these, like, it follows these old railroad tracks that aren't in use anymore. And you come across steel mills that have been long abandoned. It's kind of interesting. It's like, you're like, what was here and what was the big, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Tour of a place that used to be a place. Yeah. They used to be the center of a lot of industry and now is not, but turning to nature. Returning to nature. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It was cool though. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so today, yeah, today on the show, we have a pearl versus turd about exercising. Of course we do. And then we're going to have 
We're going to do two logical reasoning questions from test 71 and tackle another personal statement. Uh, <laughs> this is going to come out. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know. This is always so funny to me. The personal statements are. They are. Yeah. We really want people to give us their best writing. I hope that that has happened today. We'll see. We'll see. I think. Almost yeah. I want you to are. give us your best writing, but before you give it to us, I want you to put it in a drawer for a week, then come back to it, then read it out loud, then fix everything you find, then do that five more times, <laughs> then send it to us, <laughs> then send it to us and say, it's your worst draft ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll sympathize with you. This show will air on August 5th, and we are hoping to host a virtual proctored test, test uh, 69, if that's okay with you, Nathan, on Saturday, August 10th. Yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> I, was, I guess I was asking about the test number. I, I get the sense that you don't have a strong preference, though, which test we offer. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Okay. They're it all the same. Matter. No, it's perfectly Great. fine. Okay, so we're going to do that on Saturday, August 10th. This seems like the best times for everyone is 9.30 a.m. Pacific time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, or something close to that. Of course, we'll have the exact details at thinkinglsat.com. Sweet. Who's going to we'll proctor it? it? We, we don't know. You haven't sorted out those details yet? No, I have not. How dare you? <laughs> Maybe Annalisa. I hope we'll so. We'll see. I hope so. Yeah. She's awesome. Or Matt. We'll see. Yeah. He's cool too. And then a couple weeks after that, or a few weeks, three weeks, I guess, after that, you will get your July uh, scores <laughs> on Wednesday, August 28th. <laughs> We're going to make that announcement four more times before <laughs> the scores actually yeah. come out. <laughs> yeah, you guys will all know, even if you didn't take the July LSA, you'll be like, okay, they're coming out Wednesday, August 28th. <laughs> they're hard at work right now at yeah. the LSAC lair. The thing about this is running the regression analysis on this has got to be automated, right? So you put it in a freaking computer program and it's like, uh, question 17 in section two appears to be an anomaly. Okay, investigate it and be done. Like, I don't understand why... It has to take six weeks. What's but the LSAC, dude? They don't trust automated regressions. So they're, <laughs> they they invented true. their own. They're in there with a fucking slide rule and an abacus and like doing all. They actually reinvented calculus so that they could do the math. Like, yeah, they're like, themselves. I'm not sure if uh, Newton was right about this or who was the other guy that invented calculus. I can't remember. I don't know. Let's go with Newton. That's fine by me. It's like, yeah, they're they're reinventing the whole the whole. Nope. Uh. Uh-uh. We can't. Oh boy. We this is too important to trust to the likes yeah. of Isaac Newton. No, we have to do it ourselves. Well, so anyways, so it's going to take six weeks. That's created a lot of questions. People keep asking, like, what's the normal time frame? The normal time frame is three weeks, and even though the test is going digital, it doesn't seem like that's likely to change. Then you have the September LSAT on September 21st. You need to register for that by August 1st. Oh, that's too late by now. So anyways, Sorry, hope you sucker. did. Yep. Yep. You can always email the show at help at thinkinglsat.com. Send us your selfies if you're so inclined, and they may make the uh, show notes, which is always fun. 
you at thinkinglsat.com, by the way, you can sign up for our newsletter and then get notified of the show being released as well as just other things like when we have these virtual proctored exams at lsatdemon.com and you can read the show notes that Adam puts together. They are, as we've said before, more entertaining than the show itself. So <laughs> yeah, totally. please mm-hmm. sign up for those things at thinkinglsat.com. Also, that's where you can sign up for our personal statement package. We've had a lot of people signing up for that recently. Are you okay, Nathan, since you take the brunt of the beginning of that process? I love it. No, it's easy. I mean, one thing that people, one thing, one thing that I get from people is like, we got an email this morning saying like, how soon can I expect feedback? Mm -hmm. And the answer is like real fucking soon. Like, don't ask, like it's going to come like immediately. And the law is going to be back in your court. Like that's what we do is we just smash it right back at you with a shit ton of comments and, you know, suggestions for edits, but also just, Hey, you know, questions. Hey, what about this? What about that? What about this other thing? It doesn't take that long to do a round of edits. We do dozens of rounds of edits Mm -hmm. with you. It's almost always in the student's uh, or the applicant's court though, you know, like we, we, we turn it around like real quick. So, yeah. you know, it's been, it's been good. It's fun. I, I, I do uh, really enjoy it. I like being an editor. So no, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it too. It's great to get the work product that they have created with you and then continue the refining process and just go back and forth. And at the end, we're all just going over it and Every, I, I just can't think of anyone who hasn't said, wow, I love this so much better than when it started. I feel like that happens every time. Yeah, maybe well, maybe I mean, I'm biased, yeah. but... No, but I mean, they're, they are garbage when we first get them. <laughs> like, they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to make major improvements. I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited about the demon today. Just a quick update. This is what I was telling you earlier, but we continue to add, you know stuff to the lessons that haven't been released yet, but for all premium users, we'll see lessons soon. Just Probably by the time this that. comes out, right? Yeah, I, actually I would hope that. What is this? Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's a couple of weeks from now. So cool. So what's it going to be? What's premium. the link again? It's called course. Yes. So of course, click course. If you have a premium account and you click on the menu, you'll see, a menu item called course eventually, uh, hopefully by the time you hear this by now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is yes. Let's just commit to that. It's a reality. And yes. Uh-huh. You will see uh, lessons on that course page and you can start clicking on them and start doing them and hear from me, Nathan, video, written audio, uh, practice problems, all sorts of things focused on certain topics in the LSAT. And our goal is to make these lessons the most comprehensive and, uh, best bang for your buck out there. Yeah. That's your LSAT class. You don't need anything else. You do that. It says course, you do the things and that's, that's it. You're good. Then you go drill. Yep. Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right. Let's jump into this Pearl. Unless you have anything else to announce, should we jump into this Pearl versus turd? Yes, let's do it. All right. Do you want to tackle this one? Sure. Okay. Pearls versus turds is a fun feature on the show where we take a bit of received wisdom in scare quotes and we determine whether it's a pearl or a turd. 
Yep. So far, we have three pearls. We were very generous last time with that last one to get us up to three pearls on the scoreboard. We have 16 mm-hmm. turds and we have 10 ties. Yep. So this is an idea from a listener. It says, in response to your request for additional pearls v. turds material, I have a piece of advice to offer up for criticism that is not written in any formal LSAT-related books, but that I have personally found to be very helpful. I'm interested in Ben's take on this piece of advice in particular, since he seems to be active in the fitness world, and Nathan is a lazy piece of shit. Earlier this year... Earlier this year, I read a book entitled, quote, Spark, the Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain, and found it to be extremely applicable in my life as a former teacher, mother of three children, and future law student. Essentially, the book outlines how exercise can dramatically improve brain function in both the short term and the long term. So here it is. Try to get in a moderate intensity workout the morning before you take your official LSAT. On the 15-minute break, do a few minutes of some kind of physical exercise to get your heart rate up. Uh, Stair steps, a few sets of push-ups, lunges, burpees. Ideally, this advice would only be applied by those who are already engaged in an active lifestyle so as not to shock your body with something new on the morning of the exam. When I took my LSAT in January, I scored five points higher than my highest practice test. I worked out the morning of, did 20 burpees and some lunges during the 15-minute break. Many people looked at me strangely. (laughs) Others asked me outright what the hell I was doing. And a few joined me! Exclamation point. I plan on doing the same thing when I take it again in June. However, this time I will be 38 weeks pregnant and will surely draw even more attention this time when I'm exercising in the hallway with a giant belly. Wow. I can say that would be intimidating to some people. They'd be like, this person is taking the LSAT and now they're exercising. (laughs) Don't (laughs) fuck with that person. They're going to be like, yeah, and I'm going to exercise when I'm taking you to court. Like (laughs) doing some lunges out in the hall. Like, yeah, we're going in. We're going to talk to that judge. You're losing this one, bitch. (laughs) Wow. So I have to admit that I'm pretty sympathetic to this argument, especially since this person provided the caveat. Ideally, this advice would be only applied to those who are already engaged in an active lifestyle. Rule number one that we've talked about a lot is don't do anything differently than what you're already doing, right? People overdo it on test day. They eat a huge breakfast. They normally only have coffee. They go on a run. They never run normally. All those things lead to serious problems. They have fucking five-hour energy drinks that they never drink. uh, They steal their Mm -hmm. roommate's Adderall prescription. They've Mm -hmm. never done that before. People lose their minds on the day of the test. Like they're going. It's like magical thinking, right? Yeah. Oh, if I do this special, super secret thing like that I've never done before, then it'll all just magically come together. It's like no, no, dummy. But yeah, this looks good. I, I, I kind of like it. I, I think um, we got to step back here. And one thing I would say is we've been, I've been talking about this sleep book and I, you know, it could be a placebo effect, but when I get more sleep now that I'm trying to, I definitely feel so much more productive during the day. And I'm just thinking to myself, I have 16 hours in this day. If I'm rested and able to focus for more of those hours, even just one more hour, it's 
such a better use of my day than if I am tired and I squeezed out, I don't know, another hour of work late or whatever it was, even if it's just like fun stuff like Netflix and I stay up late and I'm not as rested the next day, like there's compounding effects. And I feel convinced that people need to spend less time studying for the test, but do better in the time that they study. Now, some people don't study enough, right? Some people put in 10 minutes a day and they're like, I don't understand what's happening. Uh, I'm not making progress. But like a lot of test takers, because we deal with these type A pre-law future attorney types are doing three hours a day, four hours a day. Sometimes I hear people, they're like, well, I can't study during the week, but I study eight hours on Saturday. It's just like that does not seem like a recipe for success in my mind. You're you're just getting lazy and drained as you study. And then when you get things wrong, it's partly because you're tired and you're reinforcing that behavior or that process or that way of doing things. I'd rather you be energized, rested, and that's going to come from good sleep. And it's going to come from living a healthy life, which involves some exercise. What that is for you is going to be different for everybody. Some people can do CrossFit. Some people can only walk. It doesn't matter. But I definitely think being physically active is good for you physically. And I'm not surprised at all that it's good for your brain. Yeah, uh, makes perfect sense. I don't know that you need to be doing burpees in the hallway. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a crossfitter <laughs> I mean, there's also like go for a walk around the build you know like you could just yeah. kind of get moving a little bit you don't need to I, I also don't think you necessarily need to consult your doctor before you start this sort of a you know it doesn't have to be like that it, yeah it, it, it could like really like go for a walk Go for a that's, walk. Yeah. yeah that's that's pretty good and yeah. i don't know that you need to be like mr fitness in order to implement that you, yeah. you know, you could just sort of go, go for a walk around for the 15 minutes. Oh, uh, be careful. Have you heard of these like Nazi proctors that won't let you leave? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to be careful. I mean, at some, some testing centers, the proctors don't give any shit at all and you can just go out to your car and take a nap or whatever. But at other centers, like the proctors, if you, if you like set one foot off of campus or one foot out of the, whatever their designated zone is, they get all fucking freaked out because, you know, they see themselves as the tip of the spear or whatever, and they're protecting homeland security. I don't know what they're doing, but they, like, they, they think it's, you know, super, you know, it's, I guess it's technically a violation of the stupid rules because they have too many rules. Anyway, point is, yeah, <laughs> go for a walk and just stay within eye contact of the proctors. Yeah. So that they don't. Yeah get crazy on you but that yeah that's great i like it what do you think pearl i would say it's a pearl hell yeah i like the i like the the sentiment here also if you do end up doing burpees make sure that you know how people <laughs> point two fingers at your eyes and then you point at someone else's eyes yeah, yeah you got to do that it's just at someone <laughs> right like yeah i got you <laughs> as soon as you get up yeah you have to give them the like full-on like ice grill though you have to just stare at them yeah. And then do yeah. the fingers and the pointing. Yeah. I see you. I see you. Lazy piece of shit. Right. <laughs> you might win today, but I'll see you in court. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Thanks for sending that in. Two pearls in a row for the first time ever. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to read this book now too, because I'm curious what they have to say. I love the science behind this stuff. You know, the book I'm reading, the sleep one, like a lot of other science books that I've read, they just, they go full blown into correlation versus causation all the time. They don't fall for that shit. You know, they say, oh, look, these studies, these 20 studies showed a strong correlation between sleep and this. That does not prove, of course, that sleep causes this. For all we know, it's the other way around or something else is causing both. But this is how we controlled for those things or those potential problems. And this is why we're not sold 100%, but maybe 97% of the way there to think that this is a causal relationship. And you're like, damn, dude, if you understand this stuff, then that's why, you know, smart people, scientists, economists, physicists do well on the LSAT because they're like, yeah, it's just logic. Yeah. They're evidence-based and logical and they're not just like leaping to conclusions. They don't, they don't, they're not even stating it as a fact. They're never stating anything as a fact, right? No, they're saying this is our best, Mm -hmm. this is our best guess. Like this is what we think right now today. We think this, here's how we arrived at it. And this is why we think it. And that's just, that's what we currently believe, but we're also willing to completely change our mind a hundred percent. If evidence ever shows anything different. Yeah. That's, um, having that kind of an, you know, a, a rational logic based mindset is yeah definitely good for the LSAT. So it's also so much more persuasive, right? When someone says that I'm like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Causes this. Because you don't and, believe yourself. Like you, yeah. you, you're just like, well, this is what I think. And here's how I arrived at that. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, well, okay, good. I trust you now. Instead of just yeah. like forcing the, you know, conclusion down your throat. Which is very Trumpian, right? Like, we are the best administration ever. It's like, okay. <laughs> Only five more years of that asshole. That's it. Five? Yep. Dear God, please take that back. No, he, he's going to fucking win re-election, dude. Come on. The incumbent always wins. <laughs> We're that stupid. Not. We're that stupid that he's definitely going to... Dude, I was at this cafe in my neighborhood the other day. And, you know, my neighborhood's like... I mean, I live in Los Feliz. It's like most hipster like progressive you know everyone here like works in film and stuff and but i'm at this cafe a beautiful uh spot everybody just like sits outside because nobody works around here you know and um (laughs) wait what do we know about hollywood again it's just it's not a merit-based industry (laughs) yeah well anyway they they uh yeah they um there was some obvious tourists you can tell the tourists because they're three times the size of normal people. And this kid was wearing a, he was clearly not from Los Feliz because he was wearing a shirt that said, fuck gun control. Oh my gosh. Where the F and the K were made of assault rifles. Oh wow. So he had a shirt with assault rifles that said, fuck gun control. And he had a red, white, and blue MAGA hat. M- MAGA? Uh-huh, MAGA. Yeah. Make America Great that. Again. Oh, oh, okay. You see him around. You live in D.C. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. that I saw how many of those fucking hats I saw when I came to D.C. last time. Yeah, it's because all the patriots are visiting the their, their, their homeland. The home, they're doing a <laughs> they're pilgrimage. <MAGA>. <laughs> fucking dumbass Trump territory. Yeah. Anyway, this, I don't know why I'm even talking about this kid. He made me mad immediately. 
How old do you think he was? <laughs> 14, 13. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, 13. And I was like, I wanted to like shake his mom. His mom is like right there. He's wearing a shirt that says fuck gun control made out of AK-47s. Wow. Uh, I just didn't. I, I just can't. I can't. Whatever. Anyways, Trump's going to win re-election. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Five years and then he'll be gone. <laughs> okay. I mean, the incumbent always wins. Like it, it swings back and forth, right? It does. Mm-hmm. The last incumbent to lose was George Bush Sr. And he lost because there had been a Republican in the White House for 12 years straight. Well, didn't he lose like the war too or something? No, I think the Gulf War was perceived as being a pretty big success when it happened. I mean, remember fucking Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf and the Patriot missiles and all that shit? Like, yeah, I, hmm. I, I think it was it's just the way the shit works is like it just swings back and forth. So Reagan had been a very popular president for eight years and then his vice president managed to win. But then four years later, it was like, all right, we're bored of this guy. Like, let's switch back to the other team. It's like, it's like a diet plan. It's like, oh, Atkins isn't working for me. So let me go time back to Beach. paleo. Yeah, time for paleo. <laughs> I guess it's kind of similar. Yeah. <laughs> time for Weight Watchers. Oh, that's not working. Going back to Atkins. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I mean, that's just, that's what happens. Like, it's not, it's, uh, it just swings back and forth. And so anyway, I'm, I'm prepared huh. for another, uh, it's going to be a total of eight years of, the dumbest person in the world hmm. as the president of the United States. On that note, test 71. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So this is test 71 section two logical reasoning. Question number six, I guess I'll go ahead and read this. Mm-hmm. It says a recent taste test reveals that most people like low fat chocolate ice cream as much as its full fat counterpart. Bullshit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a recent taste test that was flawed, (laughs) poorly conducted, shows this. All right. So apparently full fat, low fat, at least according to this reveal or this test reveals that people don't care. Previous tests with vanilla ice cream found that people tended to dislike low fat versions, complaining of a harsher taste. Interesting. I mean, that's not why you would hate low-fat ice cream. Right? It was be- because of the texture. It wouldn't be because of the harsher taste. Or, I mean, this is a stupid question, but okay. All right. Uh, like, All right. I'm granting them, though, their premises, right? Like, okay, yeah. you did this taste test. Low-fat and full-fat chocolate was the same. You've done other tests with vanilla, and people don't like the low-fat. What's going on? Hey, you know, let's talk about this for a half second. Mm-hmm. What are we exactly granting? We are granting 100% that this recent taste test revealed this and we're granting 100% that previous tests have found this other thing. Mm-hmm. What we're not granting is that these things are in fact 100% true, right? Because even if a test revealed this, the test could have been conducted poorly and thus the underlying fact may not be true or the underlying claim may not be true. Yeah. But for the sake of argument, we're assuming that these facts probably are, but in the back of my mind, I'm like open to the possibility that they might not be. Yeah. And, and what always happens on these questions, I mean, they're always, they're just, they're just always the same, right? What happens mm-hmm. is they interpret their, their study 
and they always misinterpret the study. So I know that's, or they just leap to some interpretation, some like they'll, they'll just leap to one interpretation of the study. Yep. Rather than like, they're just not rational about it. So it's like, yeah, I grant you, you did a study and the data were what the data were, but then I'm not going to give you your dumb interpretation. Mm -hmm. So in fact, that's what happens next, right? Here comes the dumb interpretation. Yep. Chemists point out that chocolate is a very complex flavor requiring around 500 distinct chemical compounds to produce it. Okay. Glad to hear that it's a very complex flavor and glad to hear that it requires around 500 distinct chemical compounds to produce that flavor. Yeah, not arguing with any of that, but then when they nope. get to the hence, like that's where here's now where the bullshit part comes in. Yep. Whenever you see the conclusion, in this case, we're seeing hence, which is a conclusion indicator. We don't know whether it's a main conclusion or an intermediate conclusion, but in this case, it's got to be the main conclusion because we haven't had any conclusions up to this point. I always have a drum roll in my head. I'm like, hence, drum roll, okay, what are you going to say must be true, even though it's probably almost certainly not going to be something yep. that must be true. Yep. Hence, this complexity probably masks any difference in taste due to the lack of fat. It's kind of a tricky one. That's kind of nasty. I don't think people are going to like, I don't think everyone is going to just immediately jump right to the right answer here. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I did the first time I saw this question. I don't think I, I don't think I like just went straight to the answer. Like I very frequently do. Yeah. But it's hard to say. I didn't. It's it's becoming more obvious though. Now I feel like I've been burned by this enough. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like what we're talking about here is the fact that the premise right before the main conclusion talks about chocolate doesn't tell us, it doesn't make any comparison. It just says chocolate is a very complex flavor. That's an absolute description as opposed to a relative description. So we don't know anything about vanilla. Right. And vanilla may have that same characteristic. Well, that's the beautiful thing. That's the, they, you know, I want to give them like a little bit of a hat tip on this, right? Like a little golf Mm -hmm. clap. Because the fact that they're comparing chocolate, which is very complex, requiring around 500 distinct chemical compounds, and they're comparing it to vanilla, which is real easy for you to just assume is not a complex flavor. Yeah, because it's vanilla. Oh, vanilla. Yeah, it's the most boring (laughs) whatever. It's just vanilla, you know. And okay, but they didn't produce any evidence that... Vanilla is not a complex flavor. Yeah. You're assuming that vanilla is not a complex flavor. And that's basically the, that's, that's basically it, right? Like that's the whole thing. <laughs> Once you realize yeah. that, then it's, it's over. But I don't think like, I don't know what I, my guess is like one out of 20 people maybe predict that when they read this argument, it's just, it's, sure. it's nicely hidden. So as much as I yell about, Hey, you have to predict the answers. I don't think most people probably predicted this one. I agree. I agree. Although it definitely, as you start to see, become hypersensitive to the fact that most arguments on the test are flawed. And the reason that they're flawed is that the evidence that they gave you is not enough. There are missing pieces of evidence. Yep. And if you're actively looking for that, you increase your likelihood, even in, even in hard ones like this. Although I agree, this is a tricky one to spot that, wait a sec, do I have enough information to get to this conclusion? 
And if you look back at it carefully, you're like, I don't, I don't. They, all they did is really talk about chocolate at the end here. Yep. So anyways, six or question number six, which one of the following, if true, most strengthens the argument. So this is in the bottom up family, which means we're going to assume that all five answer choices are true. We're going to then say which one, if it were true, would do the most to help the argument. In other words, help specifically the main conclusion would make me feel better about it. And that means in general, though not always, that the correct answer is more likely to use stronger wording rather than weaker wording, since weaker wording is less likely to help. But it certainly could be because all we're doing is looking for the one that strengthens it the most. And some answers don't strengthen it hardly at all. But because the other answers do nothing or weaken the argument, that answer is correct. With that in mind, answer choice A. Most people prefer full-fat chocolate ice cream to full-fat vanilla ice cream. Sweet. I'm not sure how that relates to the complexity, so I would just cross this out and move on. B. The subjects of the previous tests were not informed of the difference in fat content. Hmm. That's good. I'm glad to hear that because if they were informed, that might affect how they perceive the ice cream. But I don't know. I mean, we were kind of already accepting that as true. Right. So I'm not super stoked, but I could see it being a correct answer if nothing else worked. Oh, if all the other answers were complete garbage, you yeah. could pick that maybe. But like that doesn't actually strengthen the argument, right? It's, it's the specific conclusion about complexity. That's strengthening a premise. Yeah. But that's yeah. like saying, hey, the the test the, the the study that we did wasn't totally bogus. Yeah. I mean, it is an assumption of the argument that the study yeah, wasn't bogus. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it, it clearly helps their, their argument, and the opposite of B would basically ruin their argument. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how we know it's necessary. Yeah. If the subjects of the previous test, that's the vanilla one, mm -hmm. if, they had been, if they had been informed in the difference in fat content, <laughs> <laughs> then that right there would, like, ruin those studies completely. Yeah. Right? But... That's still though. I mean, it's like they made such a leap to the complexity masks. Uh, like they they leapt to this causal conclusion, mm -hmm. and B just does not help them get to that. Yeah, this is where I think you and I differ a little bit in terms of how we deal with answer choices. What? No, we can't be different. <laughs> Okay. All right, go ahead. What? So we don't, we don't differ at all. We do this exactly the same. Next answer choice. <laughs> <laughs> I would feel like at this point I would have A crossed out uh -huh. and I would probably keep B open with a chip on my shoulder. I have a tendency to do this. I'm like, okay, like I can see it strengthening to some degree. I'm expecting something better, but at the same time, like signaling to myself that that may be an option if everything else doesn't do yeah. what I'm looking for. And I think you have a tendency to cross it out at this point. No, but I, no, I think we're on the same page though on this one. I, oh, okay. I would have, yeah, well that one I would have gone, well, it's, it is a strengthener. It's a real shitty strengthener. And mm -hmm. so I think if I was teaching this question in class, I would go, well, this can be the answer if all the other ones are garbage. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. Leave it open. 
whatever. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I actually even cross off. I know that that's like LSAT dogma that you're supposed to go through and, you know, limit cross off the answers that you're not going to pick. I don't think I actually need to do that. Like, I don't think I actually take the time to do that. I think I just go through the five answers and pick the right one. No, that's true. There's definitely like this, like, Sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. I think I am more often when I feel like, ooh, some of these are closer than I would anticipate. And then I'm trying to be more deliberate or thoughtful, but especially on easier questions, it's kind of like mentally, no, no. Right. But in my head, I have be open with a chip on my shoulder and I'm going to cross that out, whether that's physically or mentally. Yeah. As soon as I come across something yeah. better, you know, but that, that whole thing of like, well, you're going to go through the five answer choices and you're going to cross off the ones that are wrong. That, that already is like inherently passive, right? Mm-hmm. That's answer choice driven instead of you just like predicting the answer. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't like go out of my way to teach that to people like, well, here's how you're going to do it. Like you're going to go through the five answers and you're going to check off the ones that are wrong. Like that's actually not, that's, that's not, that's not great. Like that's, you only really need to, you only do that if you're like not sure what you're looking for or if you feel like you're in trouble or whatever. Yeah. I mean, half the time you should just be telling them what the answer is. And so I, yeah, I don't anyway. Well, I should, I should say one more thing about this. I do know that when I'm doing tutoring with people and uh, they pick an answer and I'm, and they <laughs> express, you know, that verbal, like uncertainty, they're kind of like, okay, I think it's D, right? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. If you think that's the answer, go ahead and hit submit in the demon or whatever. And they're, but then I'll be like, but you sound a little unsure. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm kind of concerned about this word and I guess I kind of thought about B and I'm like, you don't know enough to move on right now. And, and they might be oscillating. Then I say, okay, well to clear the deck, which ones do you know are wrong? Let's get those out of here. And the ones that you can say, look, this is wrong either because it's so weird and convoluted or actually I know it's wrong because of this word. Let's get those out of the way. And then let's talk about the ones that are left. Let's make this, systematic. And so when you're struggling, I think it's a good process and necessary because people too often just like kind of throw in the towel, I feel like, especially when during tutoring, they're like, uh, I'm down to two. And they're kind of like, yeah, I like D better. Let's do it. And it's like, why, why are you doing that? Why are you selling yourself short where you could take this opportunity to dig in and actually come to a, a reason why you're picking one over the other, even if you end up being wrong. Yep. Anyways, C, the more distinct compounds required to produce a flavor, the better people like it. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think people probably pick that. I, I, I think that's probably I, I a that's pretty attractive a wrong answer. Yeah. Because it relies on the assumption that we pointed out earlier that vanilla has fewer distinct right. chemical compounds and we don't know that right yeah you, you'd have to assume that in order for c to make any sense not only that but c is actually like a different explanation yeah right it's not the complexity well c's like people like complexity 
Mm-hmm. But that doesn't actually explain the difference. difference. Like, why don't people like, wait, what? <laughs> so then do they not catch the fact that it's low fat and well, tastes worse? No, I, I mean, C, if C were true and if that were your yeah. explanation, then people shouldn't like full fat vanilla. Right. They should, they should, that would be like, C would support the idea that people just like chocolate more than they like vanilla. Mm-hmm. Which isn't the Doesn't point. Explain the difference between the low fat and full fat right. chocolate. Right. Yeah. Or the lack of difference, I guess, really. Right. Yeah. D. Vanilla is known to be a significantly less complex layer than chocolate. Ah. <laughs> ah. Okay. So maybe, maybe, notice that this is a strengthening question, not anywhere close to a sufficient assumption question. Maybe if that's true, then this conclusion is starting to make a little more sense because this is the assumption that almost everyone makes as they read this argument. Yeah. And I think people would, sometimes people won't pick that because they'll be like, well, obviously. They're like, that was already said. That was said in the right. second to last sentence. Nope. Never it wasn't. About <laughs> it was not said. Nobody ever talked about the complexity of vanilla. That's actually like the entire point, as it turns out, of this question is that you need to put that into your brief. Mm-hmm. You, you got to put that into your legal argument. And so D it's kind of like hiding in plain sight, right? Like you see that and you're like, well, duh, obviously. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know that's why that's the right answer <laughs> because yeah. it's like they needed that. They had to have that. That's a necessary assumption of their argument. And I mean, I guess B also is a necessary assumption of the argument, mm-hmm. but D is a more important necessary assumption of the argument. Like they just didn't actually make a comparison. This happens a lot, right? Like two answer choices are in contention and they both rely on assumptions and people are like, well, how am I supposed to know which one is better? And it's like, okay, let's lay out the explicit assumptions in B. The explicit assumption is that the tests were conducted properly. And in D the assumption is that vanilla is less or what they're, yeah, that vanilla is less complex. And so we were assuming that, and this is actually coming out and clarifying that. And the problem with the first assumption is that it's like you said earlier, it doesn't talk about the complexity, so it doesn't get to the heart of the conclusion, but also it's, it's not as crazy of a thing to be like, well, I think the study was conducted properly. I mean, right. if your biggest beef with this argument is like, hey, we're not sure whether the study was conducted properly. As soon as you find out that it was, the argument continues to march on. But with D, if you don't find out that vanilla is less complex, this argument is going to continue to wallow in misery. Yeah, I think I said that I thought B was necessary, but it's actually not. I mean, even if B is false, it's like, well, you didn't do that study very well. Mm-hmm. But the results but it, could still be accurate. Yeah, that doesn't like automatically mean that your findings are invalid. Yeah. So yeah. even if B is assumed, I mean, I would assume that that's part of good science. But I'm, I was just already giving them their results of that study anyway, right? Yep. Like I, to me, it's just a fact that the vanilla people didn't like the low fat version. And I just assumed that they did that study properly. And yeah, I would like B to be true, <laughs> but I just don't know that 
if B is, if B is false, it's like, well, all right, now I'm kind of suspicious, but nonetheless, vanilla could still be simpler, right? The results of the study could still be correct. Just because your yeah. study was not conducted correctly does right. not mean that what they're, what they found was wrong. So whereas if, if D is not true, if vanilla is known to be as complex as right. chocolate, then this whole thing just, yeah. Or more complex. Dies. What if vanilla requires five, uh, requires 5,000 distinct chemical yep. compounds, right? Yep. What if vanilla is vastly more complex than chocolate? Then it totally destroys. I mean, clearly, mm-hmm destroys like you can't the argument just can't possibly survive yeah so that's how we know that d is necessary it's a better assumption yeah, yeah. not that it, you need a necessary assumption for a strengthening question but what no. we're saying is the problem that is fixed in d is a much more serious problem than the problem that's fixed in b yeah i mean a better answer than d would be if you require 500 distinct chemical compounds then that differences? Will, well, I just need to say the conclusion, right? So it's like, yeah. you just, you stay like to find a sufficient assumption. All you have to do is just take like one of the premises and then just glue it directly to the conclusion. So like if you require around 500 distinct chemical compounds to produce a flavor, then that complexity would mask any difference in taste due to the lack of fat. Yeah. Like if that were in the answer choices, then that would be like, Oh, well, okay, great. We win. Like yep. it's over. Like at that point you don't even care about vanilla. Yep. But that's not in any of these answer choices. So like I would prefer a sufficient assumption, but we don't have one, but D is definitely necessary. And B I, now that I look at B again, it's like B is not actually necessary. It would be nice, but it's not necessary. D is necessary. And so it's the best of the answers so far. Yeah. E E most people are aware of the chemical complexities of different flavors. Uh, <laughs> sweet. I'm glad that they're aware of that. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh. just like a so what. It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Right. You got the next one. Yeah. So should we, or uh, should we skip it? No, nah, let's do it. Come on. Okay. We got to give the listeners their money's worth. Prep test. So this is from, from Prep Test seventy one, which nowadays is free. I guess. Is it? Do you know they haven't just like published the test, have they? On their website, it's just that it's in their digital familiarization tool. Yeah, I don't know whether they've published it yet, but I mean, since that tool is available anywhere on their website, it's available anywhere. And yeah, you can see these questions at any time. Cool. So this is section two, question number seven. An ethicist says, Robert Gillette has argued that because a thorough knowledge of genetics would enable us to cure the over 3,000 inherited disorders that affect humanity... Deciphering the human genetic code will certainly benefit humanity despite its enormous cost. I mean, I'm sympathetic to that argument. I am sympathetic. I'm (laughs) curious what the cost is because we don't know right now. And maybe it's so ginormous. Maybe you have to kill people to decode it, right? Right. Or maybe it costs like, well, we have to choose, you know, like we're either going to have roads and electricity or we're going to fix these disorders. Yeah. You know, and it's like, mm, well, uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. So, but in my experience, enormous costs doesn't sound that bad considering how much money we spend on our military or who knows what, right. <laughs> Social security, 
the whole gamut of government yeah. spending. <laughs> yeah. And just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's not worth it, right? Like we are talking about curing 3000 inherited disorders, Yeah, which like, I don't know what, I mean, heart Monetary disease, right? The value of that is, but all that workforce, right? Like a, that propensity toward getting cancer, mm-hmm. you know, like is something that you inherit. Boy, we fix that. Like that's a pretty damn good benefit. Yep. So like enormous cost. Yeah. Okay. But enormous benefit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It goes on. Gillette's argument is not persuasive. I, I, right away. I know that that's the conclusion. That is the conclusion. Yep. Without like, and that has nothing to do with keywords. It has just everything to do with, well, what the fuck? Like, why are you talking to me? Ethicist? Mm-hmm. Well, the ethicist came here to tell you that Gillette is wrong. Yep. That's her whole point is that Gillette is wrong. So that's the conclusion. I mean, like what else could she possibly, you know, and then it says because, and so, which I expected because I'm going to push back just for a half second. Are we going to say that Gillette's argument is wrong? Are we going to Gillette's conclusion is no, 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 no. Are we just going to say that the evidence is not good well, enough? Well, we have to, yeah, we have to stick with the actual words on the page, which is Gillette's argument is not persuasive. That's not the same thing as saying Gillette's conclusion is wrong. That's a flaw yep. on the LSAT yep. to go that additional step and mm-hmm. say, because your argument sucks, therefore your conclusion is false. That's not, the ethicist is not going that far. The ethicist is only saying Gillette's argument is not persuasive. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe Gillette. Oh, really? Why don't you believe Gillette? Yeah. So maybe this person agrees with the conclusion, but not just, but not for this reason. That's a real hard thing for people to grasp, isn't it? Because yeah. I think because of like the culture we live in, where it's like everybody's on one team or the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're either red or blue. And just like everything the red people say is wrong and everything the blue people say is wrong. And like we can never have like actual civilized debate. Because we're all we're ever trying to do is just prove the other person like every every single thing they say is wrong. But that's not how the LSAT works. Yeah. On the LSAT, you can defeat someone's argument and still agree with their conclusion. Yeah. Right. You can say, well, you're right, but you're you're wrong. (laughs) Like how you got there is wrong. Or you can also say how you got there is wrong and then make no like this ethicist. If she defeats Gillette's argument. She is not committed to an opinion on Gillette's conclusion at all. Not right now. No. Zero percent. Yep. All she's saying is the argument's not persuasive. Yep. Make a better argument for that because I like it, but I don't like your argument. This is what happens in court all the time, right? Yeah. I agree with your outcome. The guy should be let go, but why? Not for the reasons you gave me. Yeah. Well, and this is like, it's very scientific too, right? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. Hey, I might agree with your conclusion, but if you didn't do the right science, like if you didn't prove it to me, then I'm just not going to buy your, like the way you got there is not (laughs) just because you're trying to prove the thing that I believe to be true does not mean that I'm going to buy your bullshit argument. Like you have Mm -hmm. to make a good argument. You know, your social commentary is concerning, but probably true. I feel like I was listening to some politician the other day and people were all jumping up and down because I can't remember what he said, but he was basically, I think it was that, is it Beto or Beto? I don't even know how to say his name. Do you Uh know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, I think he was trying Uh to, he's kind of, he seems like a thoughtful guy. I don't, I mean, 
I'm probably more conservative than he is, but regardless, he was trying to say something like, I agree with this outcome, but I don't think it is for this reason or something. And you know, the audience, they're just like, boo, yeah. boo. And it's just like, totally. you can't, you can't talk in like logical steps. It's nope. just like you either have to be on team red yep. or be on team blue. Yep. And if you're on the right team, then everybody loves you regardless of how yep. shitty your reasons are. And that's, that's Trump, right? It's like, yeah, that's why he's so, he, yeah, it's a stupid fucking game. Like, it's just a real, it's just real dumb. Like I can't listen to any politician talk as soon as they start speaking. It's just like, all right, you're pandering to your team. That's all they ever do. It was just too bad because it seems like he was trying. But if you really want to win at this game, you have to stop. You can't, you can't engage in that kind of conversation unless you're talking to a particular audience that's maybe academic or actually interested in the rationale behind your policy. Right. This yeah. is what they they said to Clinton and they said to Obama. They're like, you're too. Like yeah, too wonky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You gotta right. let go of that. It, and That's why Trump is amazing because, yeah, he's just a fucking idiot. Like he speaks in sound bites. He probably thinks in sound bites. Like that's just the yeah. way he thinks. It's like a very like dumb it down to like second grade level. And then now people want to be on your team because you're very you know clear. Like I'm a he's a he's just like got a clear point of view now because yeah, he doesn't think strength. about it. Like it's something yeah. I respect in him despite everything. It's like <laughs> you're so good at just being like, nope, what we're gonna do is we're gonna make it better. And everybody's like, Yes, better. That's make what America we want. great again. Yeah, it's like <laughs> such a fucking again. retarded third grade soundbite. It's like <laughs> okay, dude, yeah, totally. Make America great again. Or or we could like actually talk about real things, but no, yeah. no <laughs> build a wall and make it, make America great again. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Idiot. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's go on. This ethicist has said Gillette's argument is not persuasive. Why? Well, because he fails to consider that such knowledge might ultimately harm human beings more than it would benefit them. Huh? Okay. So that's actually an interesting, uh, I wasn't expecting that. No. We knew that the cost of curing these 3,000 inherited disorders was going to be enormous. And I assumed that that meant like in financial terms or sure. you know, time, resources, whatever. Mm -hmm. But this premise is actually bringing up a potential downside of yeah. uh, deciphering the human genetic code. Maybe weaponization or something like that. Yeah. Or like, right. I mean, shit. Like, what do you think Trump wants to use the human genetic code for? Yeah. Right. Like th that's like, so, okay. So now this ethicist is proposing a uh, potentially like ethnic cleansing. Mm -hmm. Now, all that said, this ethicist has not taken a position on whether she believes that a thorough knowledge of genetics will or will not be a net benefit for humanity. Yeah. She, she doesn't actually go that far. She only goes so far as I'm not persuaded by Gillette's argument. Yeah. Great. Any, and yeah. Okay, cool. So question, which one of the following most accurately expresses the conclusion of the ethicist's argument? You force people here to, predict the answer right oh, i mean it's the only absolutely. way to do it yeah. there's no like 
there are certain question types where I will grant you an attempt to predict. And if you fail, no worries. The attempt was all that I asked. But main conclusion questions such as this one, 100%. If you don't know the main conclusion, you need to stop and go back. Sufficient assumption, I would say, is another one. Yep. And roll. Roll, well, roll is going to be very close. With roll, it's like... Is it a, is it the conclusion or is it evidence or is it yep. something else? And that's all yep. you really need to do is say it's conclusion or it's evidence or it's something else. But that's, you do need to know whether it's one of sure. those things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's the conclusion, then that's the answer. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do need to make that prediction on role on sufficient assumption. I think you've got to be able to predict the answer. You got to take like, Hey, here's the evidence. Here's the conclusion. I'm going to build a bridge from the evidence to the conclusion. That's it. Like make this, make this argument win. There's usually yeah. one way to do it. But main conclusions more than anything else. If you're not predicting the answer on a main conclusion question, you're you, you're just not doing it right. There's just no other way. Yeah. We know in advance what the wrong answers are going to look like. The wrong answers are going to be all the different pieces and parts of the argument. So you can't go in, like literally can't go into the answer choices here hoping or um, you can go into them hoping <laughs> that it'll explain it to you, but it's not like the answer choices are just going to be all the different pieces and parts of the argument. Mm -hmm. So again, we're going into the answer choices here. We knew it the first time we read it. Gillette's argument is not persuasive. Yep. Hey, Gillette's argument wrongly assumes that deciphering. <laughs> would you even read more of that? No, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm done too. It's like, what? This ethicist did not point out that Gillette had made a false assumption. That's just not what the ethicist did. The ethicist brought up something that Gillette failed to consider, right? The ethicist mm -hmm. brought up a premise that's like, hey, but what about this, Gillette? I don't buy your yeah. argument because of this. That's not saying, hey, Gillette, you have assumed wrongly XZ. So, this is an example of where you make a really good prediction. You, you know, you become the master of these arguments and then you just, you save so much time. Like this is how you go fast. <laughs> you don't go fast like Malcolm Gladwell by not reading and understanding and just go through and get rid of the two worst answers. Like what the fuck is that? You yeah. instead, the way you go fast is you know what you're looking for. And then when you start reading an answer choice and it's wrong, it's just wrong. Like I don't need to know what the rest of that says. The, after four words, that's wrong. By the way, I was talking in class the other night to someone and they were explaining why they thought an answer choice was wrong for another reason that I gave yep. or another reason that I didn't give. And I was listening to what they had to say and I actually thought that they had a good point. And I said, yeah, I, I do think it's, it's also wrong for that. And that, that was a good addition to the discussion. But what was interesting to me was that my reason came earlier in the answer choice. It was actually the first word. <laughs> yeah. The first like two, three words together, but the first word was the key word in those first three words. Anyway, and and as I started to talk about that again, the student pushed back a little bit and was like, Yeah, but I really think this is the main reason it's wrong. Was it a dude? No, it wasn't. Oh, case. I'm shocked. Wow. Okay. <laughs> But in any case, <laughs> that's I mean, very dude-like behavior. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, it was it was a good discussion. It was you know it, it, a lot of times people don't think through these things and they just kind of follow the class and you know it, it, a little pushback is good. And anyways, the the thing that we ended up 
agreeing on was that she, you know, was in some ways kind of dismissing the reason that I got rid of the answer. <laughs> and I was, I was saying, okay, well, let me think about this. Like maybe, maybe I jumped the gun, but ultimately we all agreed that it still, yeah, it was significant given the reasoning in the argument. And what I wanted to point out at that point is like, I'm really glad that you see the other reason this is wrong because speed is a function of how many problems that you can see. Sure. And so it's good that you're introducing this other problem, but it's also important that you recognize this problem that I'm talking about because it came earlier in the answer choice. And it's one of the reasons I stopped reading this maybe before you did. Yeah. And if, if people can get to that point, like I think they think of speed so much as like, do I just move faster or whatever? No, it's like how many ways can you see that an answer choice is wrong? Cause the more ways you'll see two things yeah. will happen. One, yeah. you might see why it's wrong earlier in the answer choice. And two, at the very least, you'll be more confident, right? Like how many times do you read an answer choice and halfway through it, you're like, eh, I don't think this is it, but you're kind of on the fence. And then it's like, you read yet another reason why it's wrong. And then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Done this with you. Out. Yeah. Too yeah, many reasons other that people you could be are wrong. keeping it. Right. They're <laughs> well, like, it's the difference between hoping an answer is right and expecting an answer to be wrong. Right. Like mm-hmm. we know that 80% of the answer choices are wrong. So when we're reading a, we're like, all right, let me see what this bullshit is. Like, this is definitely going to be wrong almost always. And it is right. So we see all the things that are wrong with it. But mm-hmm. when people are like, if they don't know what they're looking for, then they're trying to make an answer. Right. They're reading it, like hoping that it's right. Mm-hmm. And looking for reasons why it's right instead of looking for reasons why it's wrong. And that's, that definitely is a slower w- way to go. Right. They give, they just end up yeah. giving all the wrong answers so much credit and you shouldn't give them any credit. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, B mm-hmm. <laughs> deciphering the genetic code might ultimately harm human beings more than benefit them. Promise. Yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. I, I imagine that a lot of people pick that. But the ethicist came here to tell you that Gillette specifically has made a bad argument. B is uh, on the way to Gillette's argument is not persuasive, but it's not, doesn't actually state the conclusion that Gillette, Gillette's argument is not convincing. Gillette's argument is not persuasive. That's what the argument, the answer has to say that. Yeah. C, because of its possible negative consequences, genetic research should not be conducted. Whoa. That's going too far. That's yeah. jumping to the conclusion that Gillette is wrong. Yeah, that's that red team or blue team shit, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like, well, because I, it seems like I'm on that team, then of course I would say that you know genetic research should not be conducted. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, not so fast. Like that, the ethicist did not go that far. D. Gillette's claim that a thorough knowledge of genetics would enable us to cure over three thousand disorders is overstated. Another, you know, attractive wrong answer. Yeah. People are looking at is not persuasive and they're thinking, oh, in other words, is it overstated? But uh, this particular claim, which is the premise in Gillette's argument, is not overstated. No, the ethicist doesn't. It's that we would benefit, that deciphering it would benefit us. Anyways. Right. The ethicist doesn't actually say, oh, we're not going to actually cure these 3000 disorders. I mean, the ethicist yeah. seems willing to allow like, yeah, we might be able to cure these, but 
Despite we got to think about the harm that might mm-hmm. be caused. Um, the ethicist yeah. does not get specific about what that harm is, but I'm certainly thinking of, you know, <laughs> ethnic cleansing or God knows what, right? That sure. weird shit that might happen if we did decipher the human genetic code. So, or even just discrimination in workforce. Yeah. 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 Of course. Uh, Of course. We don't want you here. Nope. Yeah. We're not hiring you because we looked at your DNA, you know, (laughs) for whatever reason. E Gillette's argument is unconvincing. Love it. Love it. Mm -hmm. I wish it stopped right there. I wish it did too. It would be the answer, right? (laughs) More words makes it more likely that you're wrong. Yep. As 204 episodes of the Thinking LSAT podcast surely <laughs> testify to <laughs> yep. hundreds of hours of bullshitting. I'm sure we've said many wrong things, but this answer, if it just said Gillette's argument is unconvincing, that would be the answer. It goes on and says, because it ignores possible certain possible consequences of genetic research. Yeah, this is a very interesting answer because I would not consider this the conclusion. I would consider this the conclusion with its premise, but it's the best answer, hands down. It's accurate, which is commandment number one on the LSAT, be accurate. It's more than what is necessary, but since nothing about it is inaccurate. And it does capture the conclusion, right? We The answer had Mm -hmm. to say Gillette's argument is not persuasive. E starts, yep. Gillette's argument is unconvincing, which is the same thing as not persuasive. Those are clearly like just synonyms, right? So yeah. so it does capture what we were looking for. And then it goes on, but it doesn't say anything wrong. Like Gillette's argument is unconvincing. Why? Well, because it ignores certain possible consequences. Certain freaks people out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Certain doesn't mean shit. <laughs> it means some. Yeah. Some. Yep. At least yeah. one. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, you could actually just cross out that word. It means literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Gillette's argument is unconvincing because it ignores possible consequences of genetic research. Right. The certain doesn't do anything. But anyway, that's the answer. Cool. Cool. Want to tackle this personal statement? Let's do it. Hello! Exclamation point. <laughs> well, hello to you too, anonymous. A longtime listener and past tutoring student of nathan Hmm. oh shit well i'm sorry if we offend you today hopefully your ties to nathan are strong enough to endure this grilling if the guys need a personal statement to rip (laughs) to rip (laughs) i'm happy to share mine thank you exclamation point anonymous thank you okay we have great gratitude for everyone who's willing to endure this process, especially after all of the ones that you've heard before. You know what I like about this personal statement? Mm. Uh, it's short. That's mm-hmm. nice. Oh, yeah. That's good. Short. Okay. It's a good start. Read it. It's your sure. <laughs> okay. I was sitting in a treatment room observing a client, period. Okay. I like the fact that it starts with I and you're doing something. I'm not enthused by the word sitting. That's a pretty universal behavior that almost anyone can succeed at, including dogs. Yeah. Like that, that sentence, I was sitting in a treatment room observing a client that doesn't make me be like, hot damn, I have to admit this person to my law school. Oh, who the fuck is this? Holy shit. You were sitting (laughs) and observing. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> Those skills are in great need today. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like that. I also, I agree with you, Ben, starting with the word I is a real good start. <laughs> like people need to do that far more often. 
Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's one of the exercises that we have people do right at the beginning of their personal statement process that we work people through is like have yeah. them write a whole bunch of I statements. The problem here is that I, I was sitting Ooh, yeah. like you're mm-hmm. using to, to be, be so like you don't mm-hmm. need that. Like you could have made this a much more vibrant, like active sentence by not using that construction with was in there. Yeah. It's just inherently passive. Yeah. Also you've chosen, you know, sitting. <laughs> I don't, how, why is that part of the sentence? I don't care yeah. if you were sitting, standing, doing burpees. Like, I don't care. Like what, what <laughs> doing burpees with the eyes. <laughs> I got you. I was really observing the client and taunting them by doing push-ups <laughs> as I was watching them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, th- 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 this can be Im- improved for sure. Slash just deleted. Mm-hmm. The yeah. client who I'll call Bill was diagnosed with autism. Again, we have a to be verb in there, right? So again, it's was, was diagnosed with autism. Okay. By whom? Well, by a doctor, but yeah, I don't don't know. (laughs) Like also what, who are you? Why is, what is Bill applying to law school? Probably not. I mean, I don't think so. Like he's a patient of yours, I guess. So now you're observing a client called Bill who was diagnosed not by you. So that's not your story. So what's happening? Like the, (laughs) I I don't know. I just think I would cross out both of these sentences. Like that's just not your, your story hasn't started yet. Yeah. My job as a behavior analyst was to work with children like Mm -hmm. Bill and remediate the deficits, the deficits associated with the diagnosis. So you've made my job the subject of the sentence instead of you. Yep. So instead of I did this with Bill, you're now saying my job was to, and then vaguely work with, which doesn't say anything. People love saying work with, but it doesn't actually say what you did. Mm-hmm. And so my job was to work with and remediate the deficits, but how, like how, yeah. What are, are you, doing? are you reading to bill? Are you helping bill do math? Are you doing an interpretive dance with bill? Like, what are you doing? Sure. So if we were to toss this all out on the little information that we know right now, it would look something like this last year, comma, cause it does sound like this is something you did in the past. And I'm hoping it's not longer than a couple years ago. Last year, comma, I taught children or people or whatever. I mean, I want to know yeah. more, but I taught them how to cope with whatever maybe job difficulties or interpersonal difficulties because of their autism or and other, I don't know. I mean, we need to know more, but this is, that's the kind of sentence I'm looking for. Last year I taught, I guided, I created plans or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Say what you actually did instead of the vague work with and, you know, remediate the deficits. Well, what do you mean? Like what? <laughs> 
Bill, it goes on. Bill wasn't my client at the time, but as he picked up a chair and threw it against a wall, I knew he soon would be. Whoa, this is, hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. A lot of drama, which I guess is good. It's almost a little creepy. I knew. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rubbing rubbing her hands together ah, yeah, bill, fingers are coming bill, together. bill bill you will <laughs> soon be mine bill <laughs> yeah there's also again here there's two two forms of the verb to be right bill yeah. wasn't so yep. and then also would soon would be so we've actually yeah. now got one two three four sentences and we have one, two, three, four, five <laughs> instances of to be. Yeah. So y'all need to just root that out of your writing. Just get stop it. <laughs> Choose more active verbs. Say what you did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, like, does this, by the way, does this scream law school applicant? Like, does this scream lawyer? No, this seems like community worker, but this, this to me, it's like healthcare or education. Yeah. Health. So, okay, great. Like, I mean, so is that what you want to do? Like work with autistic kids? Yeah. What, what does that have to do with your law school candidacy? Like you've got to be taking action here. Mm -hmm. There's no, I'm not seeing you in action. I'm, 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 I'm seeing you watch a kid throw a chair against the wall. Yep. And so that's not like that has that nothing to do with being a lawyer. So I'm just kind of like, okay, well, like can get to the point. I don't know. Mm-hmm. At that point I had been in the field of applied behavior analysis. Wait, you skipped a sentence. Oh shit. Sorry. As he picked up a chair and threw it against the wall, I knew he soon would be mine. I had developed a reputation as a fixer and was assigned cases where others had failed. Okay. So that's interesting because this is starting to establish you as someone who is successful in this field, but I don't like the way you're telling me this. Like this is just something you're telling. I'd rather this be conveyed by over since I started, I have been assigned to more and more cases of when other behavioral analysts were not able to help their clients or something like that. But also like get to the fixing part. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're just telling me this like, okay. Remediate deficits, fix stuff, fix what? Like how, How? what, like what do you actually do? So this is, again, it's passive because I had developed a reputation that's like other people's assessment of me. I was yep. assigned cases where others had failed. So that's other people fucking up. And now them, someone anonymous person assigning these cases to you, but you yep. haven't done anything yet. At that point, I had been in the field of applied behavior analysis less than six months. Hmm. I'm not sure. I think this person is trying to show that as like, look how fast of a learner I am. But the message I'm getting right now is kind of like, what, like, what kind of 
people are drawn to this field and is this like, or the organization that you're working for, like, it sounds like a shit show that undercuts. I think that that sentence actually undercuts the previous point. Like, I think that anonymous was trying to, you know, that was like a brag. Like I became a fixer in only six months, but the skeptical reader goes, Oh, what kind of a shit show is this where you can be there for just six months and now you're the fixer. Or are you really the fixer? Right. Or you're not actually the fixer, right? Like where it's sort of this like, uh, oh, you're a dilettante, right? Like you you think mm-hmm. you <laughs> were some big badass, but you'd only been there for six months and now you're bragging about it. That takes me back to Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what episode that is, but if you ever find the Skippy episode, it's entertaining. And he turned Splitty. out to be a badass. <laughs> Splitty. Splitty, what the heck, Skippy? What's wrong with me? Let's call him Skippy. Anyways, I think he'll like I it. Reading. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's move on. Currently, I have worked with. Oh God, what? Currently, yeah, I have said worked this before, with. Stop working with people. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also currently, and then into this weird past tense. Yeah, I have. Currently, I have worked. No, get rid of currently. By the way, that word ends with L-Y, and you pretty much shouldn't have any words that end with L-Y. Like, just don't, you just don't need them. (laughs) I'm not saying that as a hard and fast rule, but if you did a, like, a search for L-Y, you would probably find a lot of words that you could get rid of. Same with very. Sure. I'm thankful that we haven't seen that yet here, but the same Maybe just words that end in Y. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, that's not true. You, know, you can use psychology and company, <laughs> other words, property, but like, yeah. but yeah, if it's an adjective or adverb, it's like, um, okay, look twice. Yeah, Do you really yeah. need it? So, okay. So, and then it's doing a weird, people don't, they, they do this time travel thing where they just jump all over the place. Right. So like, mm-hmm. wait a second, you at the point where Bill threw the chair against a wall and you knew he would be yours. You had only been there for six months. Now, currently, I have worked with over 50 children and their families across the autism spectrum. Well, wait. So does that mean now have you what? Wait, 50, by the way, sounds low, <laughs> doesn't it? Like That doesn't seem like a lot. So I don't know what the point of that detail is, really. I don't know. I don't know whether it's a lot or I mean, it, to me, that doesn't sound know. like a I would assume that a professional who works with autistic kids would work with hundreds. It just doesn't like, I think you could, it, it does seem again, I'm like reading dilettante basically like, Oh, six months I've worked with 50 kids. I'm an expert now. Yeah. Anyway, my specialty is extreme behavior, including verbal aggression, physical aggression and property destruction. Whoa. Bill engaged in all of them. Hmm. That's the first paragraph. Using is there, my specialty is, yeah. instead of saying what you do. I still have yep. no fucking clue what you do. I don't know. How, how do you help people with this? And your specialty after six months? Like this is, these things are not congruent. No. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm an expert. I've, I've worked with over 50 kids. Whoa. For six months. <laughs> it's like, wait. Yeah and now you're the best person in your group or whatever. Like, Hmm, it doesn't. And and also it's like, I don't know what you do. I know you work with these kids. I have no idea what that means. 
you're telling me that you have a specialty in extreme behavior, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen you in action. So I don't, it's hard for me to believe you because you're not showing me. I mean, you did show me Bill throwing a chair against a wall, which is a, you know, vibrant detail, Mm -hmm. but it's not you doing anything. Like, what'd you do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the first paragraph. Like all I know about you is that you work with autistic kids and that you, Mm -hmm. you're, you're telling me basically that you're this fixer, but your evidence to back it up is like six months and 50 kids. And I'm like, I don't, it doesn't seem like an expert to me. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but okay. Oh boy. Next paragraph. First sentence. My career as a behavior analyst began with rejection. Oh dear God. Don't say career after six months. Yeah. And also don't tell me about your failures. Like I don't, (laughs) people think they have to have this narrative arc. They think that they have to break themselves down before they build themselves back up. I don't, you could just be a badass out yeah. of the gate and that would be impressive. Yeah. Let me just see you winning. I don't, I don't want just, please, I don't leave it. I don't no failure, please. <laughs> no, I don't know how to swim. That, <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> That's not what we're going for. Yeah. My career as a behavior analyst began with rejection. I'm like, wah, wah, like, okay, great. Now I'm going to hear all this stuff about you failing. The first three companies I interviewed with all turned me down, citing my... By the way, that's not that many. No, and it's... Yeah, it's frustrating. The first three companies I interviewed with all turned me down, citing my background in business. This is not a point in your favor. You're... (laughs) For one, as Ben says, it's only three companies. That's like nothing, right? Like, don't people interv- like apply for dozens of jobs? They should. Yeah. It's like so naive to just be like, oh, this was a great, huge rejection. I interviewed with and they turned me down three times. Oh, my God. Not only that, but they're turning you down, citing your background in business which sounds like bullshit. Honestly, that's them telling you, we don't want you. And we're going to give you a reason that doesn't hurt right. so bad. Yeah. Sorry. Well, so yes, that I believe, yes, I can, I can definitely read it that way. Another way I can read it is why do you have a background in business? And now you're trying to work with as a behavior analyst. And then you're going to go to law school, right? It just makes you sound all over the place. Like you haven't figured out, it just doesn't, it doesn't sound like a serious, thoughtful, uh, driven, focused person. It's like, you're just like casting about now trying to find your thing. Mm -hmm. Typical applicants had a psychology or education degree. And despite my MBA, they were not willing to take me on. Well, yeah, duh. Maybe because of your (laughs) MBA. Yeah. Like, why do you think an MBA qualifies you to work with autistic kids? I don't see any connection. Right. Like, I'm reading that going, yeah, you applied for a job that you are not trained for. So, what? (laughs) I'm surprised you weren't rejected at more than three companies. (laughs) Yeah. And then the weird, like 
<laughs> and I did this in my personal statement, right? I mentioned my MBA yeah. in my personal statement because I thought it was like, mm-hmm. oh, look at me. I have an MBA. And it's like, you, they have your transcripts. They know you have an MBA. They have your resume. They know you have an MBA. Now you're telling me that your MBA didn't qualify you for a job working with autistic kids. And I'm like, no shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is reminding me of my leadership claims too, <laughs> in my personal statement. So yeah. please be aware that we've made these mistakes. Please ourselves. go back and listen to our awful personal statements on episode, whatever that was. Uh, it's very embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So far, what do I know about anonymous mm, works with autistic kids has an MBA is having trouble navigating the job market, trying to figure out what the fuck they want to do with their life, apparently, because they're getting an MBA, then going and working with autistic kids, then applying to law school now for some reason. I'm very confused. Yep. Look, and this is true for most people yeah. out there. Most people don't know why the hell they're going to law school. But what we're saying is don't lay it all out for them. Let's just focus on what you've done well and make it clear that you are driven and know where you're going. You're not making yourself look like a badass by telling me jobs you did not get hired for. <laughs> you're literally telling me about getting shut down. Yep. It's like going to the bar and trying to chat up some attractive person of the opposite sex and being like, yeah, nobody ever wants to date me. I don't know why <laughs> the last four times I've done, I've done this. I got shut down because of my halitosis. And even if, they're, <laughs> yeah, even if they're attracted to you, they're like, oh, uh, maybe I hmm, should. there must be something I don't see yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. The fourth company I interviewed with hesitated as well, but ended up giving me a chance because of my experience in coaching. Whoa. Okay. Don't what like coaching basketball, coaching <laughs> personal train per, life coach. <sighs> okay, I quickly proved myself. Never ever ever say that. It's all telling. that's pure telling. The ly adverb there is very annoying. <laughs> You yep. not only did you prove yourself, but you quickly proved yourself. Whoa. Damn. Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. Okay. I had little knowledge of applied behavior analysis before I was hired, but not sure why that was all capitalized. Applied behavior analysis. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know what that is, and I don't really care. Well, I mean, you're not showing i don't know but i was able to pass the national registered behavior technician exam in under a month this is again you you're trying to say look how fast and quickly i learned things i don't know but the other message is i had no idea what i was doing and i started this job yeah like which is like right i wasn't qualified three companies turned me down the fourth shit show of a company hired me I passed this test in less than a month, which makes it sound like it's not a big deal. Right? Like that's the fact that it's a national registered behavior technician exam. That is not an impressive point. Which by the way is not capitalized. I don't There's caps on applied behavior analysis. The field of applied behavior analysis has been capitalized in that sentence, but then the national registered behavior technician exam, which actually might be something that you would capitalize if that's like a proper name, then that's not capitalized. Yeah. Do you care? Like I, I'm not, I just, I don't care. 
I don't, I don't care. Like any, like this just tests to me that certify you to do something, including the bar exam, just signal to me bare minimum competency. So the fact that you succeeded on this test doesn't tell me much. Yeah. And I mean, like, forgive me if I'm, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not meaning to denigrate anyone here, but like, do you even need to go to college to work with autistic kids? Do you, do you have to have any kind of a background at all in order to take this national registered behavior technician exam? Like, I don't know. I, but for all I know, like that's a thing that you could maybe do with a GED. We don't yeah. know. Now, so, look, to be very successful with autistic children, you might be someone who even has a PhD. Maybe you become an expert in this field and move it forward. So we're not saying that this field is inherently not challenging, but given the work that you're discussing, it sounds like it doesn't require much. Yeah. Like anonymous is definitely undercutting his or her own case here by yeah. like, you're, you're trying to say, look how clever I am. Look how fast I learn. But the message that the skeptical reader is taking away from this is like, oh, so you were able to succeed in a field that apparently has like low standards. And by the way, this is not an argument that you need to make. Your GPA and LSAT score are going to speak volumes to that yeah. aptitude. Yeah, right. Like, don't, as a general rule in your personal statement, don't tell me how smart you are because I have your LSAT and your GPA. <laughs> and like, yep. those are, I've already got a pretty good idea, like what your cognitive capacity is, what your work ethic is. I'm not saying those are perfect measures by any means, but you don't need to tell me about your national registered behavior technician exam when I have your LSAT score sitting right in front of me. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about this back in like episode seven. So most listeners now may not have ever heard this and I don't even know if it's episode seven, but you remember when we talked about the professor video from UVA or yeah. maybe it was the dean yeah. from UVA. But anyways, yeah, he talked about how when you combine your LSAT score and your GPA together, they the their ability to predict your success in law school is like they have a 75% chance of predicting it accurately. That's a very high chance. Those two numbers together are a good yeah. indicator of your success. And that's what they're Both of them, by the way. About. Like but you need both of those. Yeah, it's not one or the other. It's it, both. It is certainly both because I have one and not the other. With my 179 LSAT and my 2.5 undergraduate GPA, I should have been one of those like, nope, 2.5 undergraduate GPA, not a lawyer. <laughs> like just, that's just not a thing. Like you don't do that. That's not, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, so I know there are exceptions, but <laughs> there are buttercups out there. <laughs> Mostly they're not <laughs> like, well, you, you take these calls all the time, right? Like literally every day. I get emails, phone calls, whatever. And I want to help people as much as I can. But like when I see you've, you've filled out the contact form on my website or whatever, or scheduled a free consultation. And I see that you have a two point something undergraduate GPA. And I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a hundred percent, but it's like 99%. If you have a two point something GPA, I am fully comfortable saying like 90%, you shouldn't go to law school. 
<laughs> just, it's not a good, that's not, that's now, if it was 15 years ago and you have significant work experience since then, and you've totally changed your life, like, okay, fine. But if you're me, a fucking dumbass getting a 2.5, well, that's because you don't like to work. And if you don't like to work, then it's just not going to be the right fit for you. Yeah. I don't know. Most legal work is academic work. That's what it is. Yeah. They want rule followers. <laughs> like they want you. This is not a bookworms. Yes. Mm-hmm. And rule followers, like people who want to work yep. inside the machine and be just like, yes, I'm going to understand and follow all the rules. I love following the rules. God damn it. Yes. Give me the blue book so that I can just look up on page 149, whether I'm supposed to italicize this thing in quote inside of a quote. <laughs> like, Yes. Let me look up exactly how perfectly to cite that. Mm-hmm. If that's not appealing to you, then that's like not really, you're not, I don't know. That's just, that's what lawyering is. Yep. So, and that's why people with really good grades, like in undergrad, yeah, because you were willing to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. Like if you're the type of person who thinks that your classes are dumb, think your professors are dumb, don't understand why they gave you this assignment. Okay. Well then yeah, don't go to law school. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to like it more. It's going to be worse. Yeah. Anyway, let's get through. (laughs) This is like an episode of just nothing but tangents. (laughs) (laughs) okay so one month passes the national registered behavior technician exam just two months later after succeeding with a full caseload of challenging clients including bill i was invited to enter the company's intern program for aspiring board certified behavior analysis uh, analysts and assistant behavior analysts analysts what this is strange because this person has a reputation as a fixer but now all of a sudden we're being invited to enter an intern right program. after two months this there's nothing about this that's impressive at all like just yeah, two months confusing. later i was invited to join the intern program wait you don't start in the intern program <laughs> that sounds like you got demoted <laughs> So, I mean, we're having fun, right? Like we're, we're being extreme, obviously. We're being extreme, but the thing about it, and we've said this a million times, you've got to realize that you're writing to a very jaded reader. And I just said very, but a jaded reader who is going to do what we're doing on some level. Well, of course they're they are. rolling their eyes like one more applicant. All right. Who the fuck are you? And <laughs> then you start saying stuff like this and they're just like, oh, you became an intern. <laughs> you know how many bad days they have in their job. They're just like ready to eat your shit alive. You know, like this is bullshit. Yeah. Unless you have an LSAT and GPA that's like at their 75th percentile, in which case they're like, I don't care what your personal statement says because. Yeah. Then they're swooning over <laughs> yeah. you. They're like, Oh, you became an intern. That's so yeah. Wonderful. But if you're, if you're like trying to squeak in with this, right. If you're, if you're on the bubble, yep. which I think is where the personal statement matters more than any other time. Right. When you're, when you're on the bubble, which you're always on the bubble at the Harvard's and Stanford's and of the world. But if this is a bubble applicant, you know, like you're trying to barely squeak in and then they're reading this and they're like, Oh, you were invited after two months to enter the intern program. Wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to, you know, what's amazing. I love, I love more than anything, like the transformation that the personal statements go through. 
like yeah. the before and after is just like shocking. We could have a yes. uh, we could have a show on Bravo where we do like a <laughs> personal statement makeover for people, right? Because this is like you you're like I'm getting unfocused, works with autism, overestimates own impressiveness. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. But I'm sure we could turn this into successful professional like we could change this to make it so that the reader reaches their own conclusion that you're a fixer. Instead, you're telling me that you're a fixer and I just don't believe you. Yeah. Like th- if this were rewritten, there's a lot here. Who knows what this person actually does at with these autistic kids, but I don't doubt that there could be a lot here that is impressive. We just don't need to <laughs> say all these details that detract from it. Right? I think can we make a rule? I, I don't think applying for jobs is ever appropriate in your personal statement. No, I think we've seen that too many times. I don't know why people love to do it. I don't need. It's part of their journey. I guess. Right? Like to them, it was a a hill overcome. I don't think. No, I, I want to see you at the top of the mountain. <laughs> Yep. I don't want to see you like you packing your backpack, f- dreaming of sliding to base camp. Like I want to see you achieving like either yeah. plant the fucking flag in the top of the mountain or don't tell me about the mountain. Yeah, I agree. Okay, here we go. During my internship. Sorry. One yes. last thing before yes. we go on. This is just more a style thing, but anonymous has an interesting use of commas. So Anonymous does not use commas in situations where I would expect them. For example, in his or her initial email, the if-then statement does not have a comma between the if clause and the then clause. And then just throughout here, every Mm -hmm. now and then, there are clauses that end but don't have commas. And yet, at the same time, we have commas inserted in places where you cannot insert them. These sort of things stick out, and at the very least, you need consistency. But anyways, that is a bad comma there. In fact, this it's a bad sentence. It has three commas in it. Just two months later, comma, after succeeding with a full caseload of challenging clients, including Bill, comma, those both those are okay. Yeah. I was invited to enter the company's intern program for aspiring board certified behavior analysts, comma, yeah. And assistant behavior analysts. Like that's definitely a bad comma. That's the, that's right there. Like any lawyer reading this is like, huh? Yeah. Comma. What? Use commas in lists when you have three or more items here. You only have two items. It doesn't make sense. Nope. And these things are capitalized. I'm not sure why they're capitalized. I agree. Also, why are you even telling me this? Like, (laughs) well, board certified behavior analysts, and assistant behavior. Don't put the assistant part. Yeah. It's like, no, it's a, it's an intern program for board certified, uh, aspiring board certified behavior. Anyway, I hate the sentiment of it. Like I hate the idea of it. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're now entering an internship. You're not a board certified behavior analyst. You're an intern because you're an aspiring board certified behavior analyst. Great. I don't give a shit. It's on your resume. Show me, I want to know what you actually do with this kid who's throwing a fucking chair against a wall. Show me the money. I mean, we're, we're at the end of the first page now. 
this is a very long second paragraph. I think that anonymous can go with shorter paragraphs for sure. But it's almost like, you know how if you show a gun in act one, like the gun has to fucking go off in act three. Sure. I'm waiting for bill. Like bill was throwing a chair against the wall. I want to know how you fixed it. Yeah. You're a fixer. You better show me you fixing bill. Instead, you're applying for an internship program. I don't know. Okay. Well, based on past personal statements, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends by saying that you weren't able to help Bill, but (laughs) it was a great cinematic event (laughs) that I wanted to share. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, um, All right. During my internship, I created a registered behavior technician training program, comma, that I taught, no, comma, to help trainees pass their national exam. Boy, so many trainings and exams. <laughs> like, I'm interested in you creating a training program. Fuck sure. yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about that for a paragraph, not already moving on. Yeah, not how you got invited to be in an internship. Also, this is just all over the place. Wait, you're an intern, but you're creating a training program? What? I thought you were an aspiring board-certified behavior analyst, but now you're an intern in that program, but now you're creating a training program and teaching it? Wow. Anyway, the company had a first-time exam pass rate of 30%, but after my program started, the first-time pass rate jumped to over 70%. Nice. I like that. Got to give props I for like that, that, right? But it's interesting to see this fact in the context of everything that we've read up to this point. Right. I'm very like skeptical. Yeah, Anonymous has already shot himself or herself in the foot <laughs> by making it look like this is a janky organization that you're working with. Yeah. Right? Like they're hiring people who aren't qualified. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just let an MBA come in here and... <laughs> <laughs> like let's just have our intern create a new training program for the whole company yeah if you provided this fact though which is a great fact it's yes objective yes in the context of a more polished personal statement that focus focuses on your success this would just be like firing off another firework you're like damn okay sweet this guy's successful yeah that right there i would for sure save that detail I would just take out all the other shit that... And creating the program, right? Let's yes. talk about you creating the program. 100%. How did you create it? And, and what's in the program? And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, right. And make the entire personal statement about that. Maybe so, yeah. I don't even need Bill throwing a chair against the wall. Like, you just... It's like, you might think it's boring, but it's not. Like you created this training program. You taught a training program. You created a training program. You taught the training program. You improved the first time pass rate from 30% to 70%. Now I see you winning. Like now I see you fixing problems. And how many people did you train? Like if it's a small number, then we'll need to leave that out. But did you train like a hundred people? And then these numbers start to look even more compelling. Yeah, totally. There's two spaces after that sentence which my eye goes right to. Oh, absolutely. I know people like people probably think we're like dicks, which we are. I mean, I am, but like lawyers are. (laughs) So, you know, you, you like, that's not, not a big deal. You, you can't have shit like that. 
You can. Yeah. You, you, you know that I worked as a professional writing consultant for yes. five years, right? And it's like we were working with law firm partners and asking them day in and day out, what is it that you need fixed? Because we're here to fix your problems. I mean, we actually kind of knew what they needed fixed. That's why we showed up and they paid us money. If we didn't know, then yeah. they wouldn't help us. But we needed to confirm that we were on the right track. And partners are dicks too. That's what happens. You become an attorney, you go to a law firm, you write a piece of paper, and they are pissed off to high heaven because now they have to spend time helping you understand what you did wrong. And so instead of being nice, they just write things like redo on the top of your page in red. <laughs> and if they're nice to you, then they'll come and they'll start circling these things. And all they do is circle them. They just, they would circle this. They'd be like, what the hell are you doing here? Why is this comma here? Why are these things capitalized? And that's a partner who's being generous and taking the time to explain it to you. In most cases though, they don't take that time. But the point is, is that they're still thinking that they're just like, Huffing and puffing and saying, what yeah. the hell is this? And to be fair, this is like actually one of the better edited statements, statements. that we've seen. I mean, we, we yeah. actually see far worse than this all the time. But, and I, and I understand that, you know, this is a draft that Anonymous is sending in and it's not like the final, 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 whatever. But still, I mean, <laughs> those are things that need to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I hustled to complete the required clinical hours, the accompanying coursework, and to earn my bachelor's level board certification in just over a year. Oh, boy. (laughs) There it goes again. Redo. (laughs) Redo. I mean, well, like, I hustled... You're trying to tell me how fast you were able to come to get through this. Okay, fine. I'm really distracted by the poor construction on the sentence, though. I hustled to complete the required clinical hours, comma, the accompanying coursework, comma, and, and to two. earn my... Ba- yeah. Like, what? No. Broken That's what sentence? we saw in Fagman's email. He like right. did this weird, unparalleled conjoining of three ideas with commas and and (laughs) yeah that's why your sentences just need to be shorter don't try to do everything in one sentence like chop it up and it'll be much cleaner this required working seven days a week while attending school full time Hmm. is this is this an addendum explaining poor grades or what is this i don't know Not long after I earned my certification, I was recruited by the supervisor on Bill's case to help build her own company, comma, a job which I accepted. Okay, side note here. You put a comma before that earlier on in your statement, and you have not put a comma before which. It's exactly the opposite. So whenever you use that to modify something, you don't use a comma. Whenever you use the word which to modify something, you do use a comma. Not that I would even say this here. No. I'm just saying that there's there's problems there. Stop this with is the job accepting. Like, I <laughs> don't is... want to hear about you interviewing, getting offered a job, or accepting a job. Yep. All that shit's in here. It's on your resume. You took yeah. this job. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, what I was going to say is, again, this is like when we read these statements, there are sentences, there are little gems that are buried in here. It's like, wait a sec, you helped, you helped someone build their own company? 
that alone could be a book, right? Like, (laughs) what did you do? What have they they done? (laughs) They don't. So, but no, that's not what's going to happen at all. Yep. We're going back to Bill. Like what? This whole thing, this, this thing needs to be the hundred percent blow it up and start over. Yeah. Tell me about creating that training program and what, you know, like your, your time as a teacher creating a program and in improving the pass rate from 30% to 70%. That's awesome. But only yeah. tell me about that. Get rid of all this other bullshit. Why are you telling me about 20 different things? So I don't have time for that. I have time. I mean, I'm here to get a snapshot of you. You can only really tell me one story. Yeah. And instead it's like, here's how I got shut down three times before I got the job. And then I finally got hired, even though I wasn't qualified. And then I took the exam to do this and that. And it's like, and I took it fast. (laughs) Yeah. Like, huh? And now you're, you're (laughs) not long after I earned my certification, I was recruited by the supervisor on Bill's case to help build her own company, a job, which I accepted that company now has over 50 clients. And then it just leaves it there. Yep. (laughs) So I don't get to hear about that. (laughs) <laughs> which I wanted to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. Because that sounds like serious and important. So you're only going to tell me about the totally mundane part of you getting offered a job and accepting it. You're not going to tell me what you actually did in the job. You know, I think we're seeing this a lot because of something I think that I accidentally said or overemphasized a long time ago this idea that if you can show someone promoting you, then it's like uh, showing yeah. rather than telling. And now everybody's like, okay, so uh, where have I been accepted? That shows that someone else has promoted me. I think I can't remember the personal statement, but it seemed to kind of make sense in that context. But I don't know that it makes sense in all these other cases. Like we just need to revoke it. Yeah, that promotion should show up on your resume. And if you're going to tell me about getting promoted, that's fine. But you have to also, you have to show me what you do. Yeah. Otherwise it's just passive. Yeah. You were someone else doing something. Hey, I was recruited. You didn't do shit. Someone came and wanted, like they needed help and they asked you. Yeah. Like, what did you do? It suggests that the supervisor was impressed by them, but it's like, that's clearly the point, but it's like, I'd rather see what you do. (laughs) Or if you just said like, after this happened, my Bill's supervisor hired me or asked me to join her company. And then we did X, Y, Z. Yep. And it's like, there's too much emphasis on the, like even recruiting, like recruited, like it's almost overselling. The fact that the supervisor asked you to join her company and then go talk about like what you're saying, what you actually did. I, I think that that does say something. It's like, oh, you were working in one context and you didn't just leave. Someone appreciated what you were doing and then you left. So I'm okay with that. But even then, it's like, if you're going to talk about this company thing, we're probably not going to spend any time on anything that you did before it. Two more paragraphs. Ready? Yep. After the chair went flying in that treatment room, the clinical director had seen enough. So now we're just really all over the place. Yep, we're back to the beginning. I thought you just left to go build this company. Now you're back in the treatment room. Wait, but you're not. I was assigned to Bill's case the next day. Wait a second. Okay. Yeah, and weirdly, you weren't... So you were observing Bill, but Bill wasn't your client, but you knew he soon would be. What did you do that made you... (laughs) 
now Mills you're a signee. It doesn't make yeah, sense. now the clinical director has seen enough and I was passive assigned to Bill's case the next day. Okay, what did you fucking do about it? Bill's learning history included years of reinforcement for maladaptive behaviors both at home, comma, and at school. Anytime Nathan says, comma, (laughs) you're in for trouble. (laughs) Most people use commas horribly. Yeah. It's like they just arbitrarily, they just throw a handful of commas at the page and they're just in there in all (laughs) random spots. Microsoft Word or Google Docs needs like a random comma button. Like just click it and it's like commas show up. You're like, yeah, it looks good. It needs delete all commas. That's what it really needs. One button that just deletes all the commas and then we'll start over and put them back in there in the right places. That's a bad comma there. Okay. So it's about, you know, it's just, it's not about you though. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. Bill has a bad learning history. Great. Who cares? I don't care. Seven months after I started on his case, comma, he was no longer engaging in the behaviors that had been with him, comma, and his family, comma, for years. What? Behaviors that had been with him? <laughs> They're like floating around him. Those behaviors, they had been with him and his family for years. And he was no longer engaging with those behaviors. You love to be. Had been. Yeah. Bill had previously developed an aversion towards most adults. Should be toward. We're in America here. And would only work with me at first. But we were now able to add new technicians to the case without any issues. So this is so weird because it's seven months later. And apparently this is like a success story. But you have not showed me one goddamn thing that you did with Bill. Nope. Not a thing. One day, when Bill was being picked up from the clinic, his mom described to me, through tears, the vacation they had taken that weekend. They had stayed at a hotel, gone to an arcade and restaurants, and attended a show in Las Vegas all without incident. (laughs) There needs to be a comma there after Vegas. (laughs) But there's not. (laughs) It was the first family vacation they had taken in years. I mean, that's a sweet story. That has absolutely nothing to do with you being a lawyer I also don't know what you did. Like you're, you're telling me that you're a bill whisperer, but you're not actually showing me you haven't like what it was just magic. Well, it's weird because I, I don't know that I would necessarily cut this story. If this statement were focused on bill from the beginning, what you had done to help bill. And I knew all of that. And then you told the story. I'd be like, Oh damn, look at like, it just confirms that all this stuff that Anonymous has been doing has worked in the real world. But right now it just comes out of nowhere and I, it doesn't mean anything to me. No, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Just, it's, it's, um, it's just conclusory, right? It's like, I mean, I was successful with bill. Okay. How? How? Yeah. (laughs) As a behavior analyst, I have collaborated with families, other therapists, teachers, advocates, and lawyers. I have watched these lawyers give advice to families, advocate at school meetings, research policies and regulations, prepare documents and presentations, and above all else, fight for their clients' rights. Whoa. 
At the time of my application, I am three months away from completing my master's level board certification. More fucking tests and what? I am now wanting. Oh, my God. I am now wanting to provide for my clients in an additional way, colon, as an attorney, no period at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Colon, by the way, is like an equal sign. So in an additional way, equals equals as an attorney, as an attorney. That is a really awful sentence. I am now wanting to provide for my clients in an additional way colon as an attorney all right well so i don't like this last paragraph because it's a lot of watching which doesn't tell me a lot about you you've watched lawyers do this like i know you want to be an attorney why do people feel that they have to put i want to be an attorney (laughs) in the final paragraph of their personal statement I'm reading, I am literally sitting inside of a law school Yeah. as I'm reading this. I, Maybe it, why you want to be an attorney. <laughs> you have diff- paid money to, to apply to my law school, and I'm now deciding whether I'm going to admit you. I understand that you want to be an attorney. That is not news to me. I want to know why. Yeah. So... Here, if this person were to connect, I mean, in some ways they do need to connect what, if they're going to talk about any of this stuff to law school. So talking a little bit more about specifically what lawyers do for autistic families, like this is too broad brushed. It's like, I've collaborated with families, other therapists, teachers, advocates, advocates, who are they? And lawyers who are advocates, by the way, that just seems like a throwaway term. Yeah, people walking around with shirts on that say, I'm an advocate. Like, I've watched these lawyers give advice to families, advocate at school meetings, research policies, and regular. You've watched lawyers do this? Yeah, that seems like a lie. I watched them research policies and regulations. (laughs) No, you didn't. What you doing there? Oh, I'm on LexisNexis. (laughs) (laughs) The end of that sentence, too. Above all else, fight for their clients' rights. That just comes mm, across as like naive. Naive, exactly. Yes, 100%. That's like, oh, so you actually don't know what lawyers do. (laughs) (laughs) Is what that seems, you know, I I was going to say, I really like that this is anonymous. I like that I don't know who this person is. Yeah. My tutoring students, mostly people, you know, who engage my tutoring services are like very put together people, right? Like people who have the resources, whatever, to pay my insanely high tutoring rate. It's like, yeah, you, most of those people are very impressive. Like I work with people who are scoring 170 and trying to get to 175, you know, like that's the bulk of what I do with one-on-one tutoring. So I have no doubt that this person is actually like a very capable person. I'm glad I don't know their name because if I knew their name, then I would be reading this like completely differently. Like I would be giving them so much credit. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's just like, you're an anonymous person to me. And if this is the only thing I have to go on, I am not admitting you to my law school. Yep. Period. Like you're just, I'm sorry, no, but there, you're not getting no in. Period. Sorry. There's yeah. no period. <laughs> this is, it's striking me as, yeah, just like not put together, just totally disjointed. You don't have a plan. It doesn't seem like, you know what I'm, I'm sure you actually in real life do know what lawyers do, but this makes it look like you don't. And so just, yeah, it's like, it's, I, I, 
I mean, what what did Anonymous actually do in this statement? What what have you seen Anonymous do? Be, Sit in a room with jobs. autistic kids. Get jobs. That's what Anonymous. Yeah, get interviews and and get shut down. Finally, get a job that you were weirdly not qualified for because you have an MBA instead of actual training for working with autistic kids. You have worked with autistic kids, but I have no idea what you did. I do not know what that means at all. Work with autistic kids. I just read two pages and I don't know what that means. I don't know what, what you, what it is that you do. I do not know what that is. (laughs) Stop throwing things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. You just threw a chair against the wall, Bill. And, um, I guess the only thing that like the, the real keeper is creating that training program. Yeah. Right. Creating the training program. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe the company, although that was like a one sentence throwaway Mm -hmm. that never, it just didn't get returned. I don't know. So, all right, anonymous, you need to start over. You need to either tell Nathan's a turn, uh, tutoring fees. You probably should just do the personal statement package. Yes, you really should. (laughs) We, We could help you a lot. You need to start over and you need to tell one story I would love to know more about this company. Like the fact that you actually helped a startup and the company now has 50 clients. Like, why don't we just skip everything else and just talk about that? Yeah. Or I would love to know about your teaching career. This does seem like an impressive achievement. I'd like to know how you created this program, how you taught it. I want to know about your experience as a teacher. And I want to know about the success of your students. That's awesome. I'd love to hear that story. All of the certification bullshit, get it out of there. I don't want to know any about that. I don't, I don't care. None of that. I don't care. And even like Bill's case is like, unless you're going to tell me what you actually did with Bill, it, it's kind of like, it's sort of babysittery. Like I, as far as I know, you hung out with Bill and like, you're a nice person. Like you're a sympathetic, nice person. And you hung out with Bill and then Bill did. Bill got better. Yep. Okay, but that's not lawyer shit. I don't know. Any closing words? No. Sweeten it up, Ben. Come on. <laughs> Say something nice. <laughs> we know that you're going to make a great attorney who fights for the rights of their clients. But not from this. I don't. <laughs> from this, it doesn't <laughs> seem like that at all. <laughs> so let's blow it up and start over because I'm sure that you've got it. But it, this ain't it. Yep. All right. We're on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook, but we are on Facebook. We have a podcast group. It's called Thinking LSAT Podcast Group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can go there to talk about what a dick I am when I'm reading people's personal statements. While you're there, you can uh, find the Thinking LSAT Facebook page and give it a like. I don't know what that does. Does that do things for us? I don't know. Might as well. Hit the like button. Follow us on Instagram. We are at Thinking LSAT. We're also at Thinking LSAT on Twitter. You can visit strategyprep.com if you want to learn about Ben's classes in DC, live classes in DC. Uh, go to foxlsat.com if you want to learn about my live classes in both LA and San Francisco. Uh, we got all kinds of online and one-on-one options. All that shit's on our websites. lsatdemon.com is the future of our business, <laughs> the future of LSAT prep full stop. Yeah. Why should people go to lsatdemon.com, Ben? Because it helps you learn the most effective way possible. And we're not making that up. It's based on research. And once you go there, 
you don't need to go anywhere else. That is true. It has all of Ben's thousands of hours of videos. It has all of my hundreds of hours of videos. It has all of my written explanations, like every word I've ever written about LSAT logical reasoning is all in the demon. And I continue to add to it every single day. Yeah. You just do questions in the demon and the demon gives you appropriate challenges to get better at the LSAT. You know, it's funny a long time ago. I don't know how long ago, maybe it was a few months ago. I feel like we were reading demon reviews and people were saying things like, Oh, I'm addicted to the demon as much as I loved the demon or the idea of the demon at the time, I, I kind of rolled my eyes a bit. I was kind of like, geez, like, what is this? Is this like a cherry picked like review? Like how many people could really be addicted to the demon? But that is the most common thing I hear now in class and with my one-on-one tutoring students. They say, I pull up the demon on my phone at night. I plan to do one question and then two and a half hours later, (laughs) I'm still doing the demon. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) you might be doing too much. You need to scale it back. But despite the fact they're doing too much, I'm, I can't take the smile off my face. I mean, geez, that's what like every company in the world is trying to do, right? Facebook wants you to keep coming back. Instagram wants you to keep coming back. Everybody wants you to keep engaging with their app. That's how they make money. We actually lose money the more you engage with our app, but you do learn. (laughs) And that is what I want. Like, I'm like, if someone is addicted to this, they are going to get better. And they say things like, oh, I want to know, like, what what joke are you going to crack when you, you know, when I watch the video or read Nathan's explanation? And then I want to see what happened to my analytics. Like people are addicted. It's not just a one-off random freak fan. It seems to be a lot of people. And someone just the other night in class, they came up to me and they said, I had the demon for so long, but I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not using it back in March because I just didn't realize how much easier it is to use than anything else. I just saw my phone. I have all the questions. I just start doing it and it's giving me questions at my level. Like that's, it's the simple formula, but anyways, I'm, I'm just surprised how many people have come to that conclusion on their own about being addicted. Well, I mean, it's like they've, it, it like becomes a fun game, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's the way we both teach it too. Like we, I really do believe this. Like if you can't get to a point where you have fun with the, uh, with the LSAT, you're just not really going to ever be that successful. Like yeah. we're, and, and so when you see us, teaching, I mean, we have a smile on our face most of the time, right? We're like Mm -hmm. laughing and Mm -hmm. it's like a, it becomes a game. And so, yeah, I mean, these, these people have, um, they've like gamified it in their own minds at least. And, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're all, uh, they're, they're into it. It's, it's, um, well, it's humbling really. I mean, shit, like (laughs) it's amazing that that people like it so much. I mean, and it's only going to get better from here. So anyway, that's uh thinking LSAT or sorry, uh, LSATdemon.com. You can sign up for a one week free trial. If you want to check it out, um, that's much better than us just talking about it. There is going to be a virtual proctored test on Saturday, August 10th. So if you, and, and free trial members are welcome to that, right, Ben? They are. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you do a free trial, uh, it's a one week free trial. So if you're hearing this, uh, on, August 5th, then yeah, you could sign up for the free trial. 
And you could come to the virtual Proctor test 60. That's going to be test 69 on Saturday, August 10th. And the way that works is you meet the Proctor uh, on Zoom, group uh, meeting on Zoom, and then um, your Proctor takes over the LSAT team and on your machine and presents you with a test, just like how you're going to have it on the actual official LSAT, except for ours works better, <laughs> apparently, than the yeah. LSAT's uh, technology. Yeah. Anything else? Last thing. Sarah, our gatekeeper, is going to law school. Sad day, of course, but uh, we need a new gatekeeper, right? Yeah, I guess. She's not going to stick with that gig while she's in law school? I don't know that for sure, but... Well, it would be probably unwise of her to do that. Yeah. So I guess we do need a new gatekeeper. If you think you would be a good gatekeeper, you can email help at thinkinglset.com. When you do that, tell Sarah and uh, also Annalisa, because Annalisa kind of helps as a gatekeeper too. Yeah. Maybe Annalisa will just take it over. I don't know. Yeah. We I haven't mean, talked to her about to that. have another person in the fold who's excited and gung-ho and wants to continue this process, but you know. Yeah. We really like people who take initiative. Mm-hmm. So if you're that type of person, please email help at thinkinglset.com and tell us uh, how you want to pitch in. We have an awesome team. <laughs> I'm very sad that Sarah's leaving. Yeah. That fucking sucks. Uh, anyway. Hey, you're hosting. You should wrap it up. Okay. That was show 204. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for lost people.